How many of you are enjoying new songs? All right, yes. So the, the challenging part, just so you know, because um, if you didn't know, you know, I've had my season up here as a worship leader. Uh, as a worship leader, and, and in, if you have uh, this responsibility in the ministry, you're exposed to so much out there, and there's so many good songs, right? And the challenge is, when you, when you find one and you want to teach it, um, it takes a while for the church to catch on because we only get you once a week. And so if you're not listening to this particular song any other time, and if you're very faithful to come for the next four Sundays in an entire month, you've heard that song four times, right? And so um, it's challenging. Uh, we appreciate, we celebrate the new season of worship. Um, and we're actually looking forward to um, bringing in new songs and new styles and everything. And so uh, we want to encourage you, hang in there. If you don't know it, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, it, it's, it's just repetition. Maybe it'll spur you on to find the song. You can ask Shiloh what it was. And, you know, if you got your little Spotify or whatever you do, maybe during um, the week, it's a commuting song. Maybe. I mean, it's, there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> There you go. You're welcome. So uh, hang in there with us as we, as we, you know, begin a new season in the fall and under, um, you know, someone else new that, that uh, God has brought to this church to use gifts and talents. And, and I, I had never heard that song. I heard her um, rehearsing this morning as I was in my office. And I'm like, oh, that's new. And, you know, and I'm listening. And, and as we sang the whole thing through, that's the first time I've heard it with you as well, you know, I thought, what? As you said, Shiloh, what an, a, a wonderful, incredible song to sort of, in light of the last events of this particular week, globally, nationally, and down to the county, and perhaps even in your own life, what a wonderful song to introduce and kick us off into this theme that we have been looking at the last several weeks of confidence. Confidence, because that was a, a song of confidence, right? There will be a day, so there's future confidence. And then, let it be today. Confidence today. And that's really my hope and desire for us as we're looking at the Apostle Paul specifically and how in his journey as an apostle, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, how did he develop this confidence, this trust that just seemed to be part and parcel of who he was, right? And, and uh, if you're visiting us, you know, we started the book of Philippians which was written by the Apostle Paul, a letter to the believers in a city called Philippi. And six verses in, we, we hit this verse, and uh, Jordan, we'll start with Philippians 1.6. He says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And this, I am sure of this, this certainty, this confidence, sort of made me pause and said, okay, wait. How did the Apostle Paul get to this place where he can say, I'm sure of this? And in fact, on the undercurrent of the entire letter or book of Philippians is Paul speaking very confidently, with certainty. And it's important to, for us, and, and I felt it was important for us to look back on Paul's journey through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Romans, and, and we've seen snapshots of it. Because those two books, Corinthians and Romans, were written before Philippians. And they've given us some insight into 
the Apostle Paul being able to write from this place of confidence, this worldview, which is radically different than when he was Saul, right? He's been a miraculous transformation. And over the years, uh, through some very trying experiences, right? We saw that he, a couple weeks ago, we, the, he was in such a bad place. He thought he was going to die. And what did God teach him through there? Not to rely on himself, right? We saw that. And then last week, we began to say, okay, so Paul in Corinthians ex- shares some very excruciating, painful, end of myself, end of my rope moments, which brought him to a place of, okay, I can't rely on myself. I must rely on God. And I think many of us, maybe you're in that place where you're wondering, why is this happening? Why is this happening? I really feel like this is the end. I can't go another day. And maybe like the Apostle Paul, today you just need to be reminded that God is for you and that maybe one of the things he's teaching you, like the Apostle Paul, was not to rely on yourself. Maybe he allows things in your life and in my life that really expose our self-confidence, our self-reliance, our, you know, go-to things, our problem-solving, and it just keeps hitting the wall, keeps cycling through. It's like, it's just not even, it's getting worse. And maybe, like the Apostle Paul, you're learning not to rely on yourself, right? We saw that in 2 Corinthians. So maybe through that experience, as you learn not to rely on yourself, you're actually learning to rely on him, right? I think of um, the story of Peter. Remember Peter's in the boat, and then Jesus is out there, and, and he says, hey, Peter, come, right? And, and Peter's looking at him, he says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come, right? And, and the Bible says in the Gospels that he actually got out of the boat and started to walk. And then he sank, and Jesus grabbed him, and lifted him up and said, oh, you you little faith, why did you doubt? Many of us tend to focus on him sinking, and we neglect the fact that, A, he got out the boat, and he took a couple of steps. And then he looked at the winds and the waves and goes, ah, wind and waves, and he kind of lost his focus on Jesus, like many of us do when the wind and waves hit, and we start to sink out of fear and doubt, and Jesus has to come get us and say, uh, what happened? What happened? And, and so sometimes in our life, I, I liken this like, you know, Peter, imagine this. He, he's, okay, is that, he, come, it's me. Can you imagine the other guys in the boat? Like, I got to see this. And Peter, he's going to do it. He's real. I mean, think about this now, right? This is like crazy stuff. Like Peter has to make a decision, trust. And it's not like cliche trust, it's like get out of the boat trust, confidence. It's like put up or shut up moment, all in moment. It's an all in moment, right? And so I can imagine he gets out and he's, you know, I wonder at what point he, had, he realized, I got to let go. I got out, but now I got to let go. I thought I was all in just by getting out. But I can't keep going to Jesus and holding on to the boat. I got to make a decision, right? And, 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 
I think for some of us, and this is to your credit, to Peter's credit, we're out of the boat. We're, we're desiring to follow Jesus, and you're making progress. You really are. You're different than the way you were, right? And you've been through ups and downs, and you've experienced God's blessings, and you're transformed. And you're at this point, maybe today, you're at this point. And you're like, row, row. <laughs> right? Been in church five years, five months, 50 years, and now you, you recognize he's calling me to trust him by letting go of remnants of self-reliance, remnants of my own understanding, remnants of my 401k and my savings account and my good health at this moment and whatever else I might be holding on to. And he's actually calling me to do this. Right? We celebrate this but this has got to be a hallelujah moment. <laughs> and if you're like me, you've probably done this. Anyone? You ever do that? Right? Right? Like, right? You're kind of like doing everything you can to keep one last, one last thing. One last, I got this. If all goes bad, I got one card left to play. One little thing. Because if it all goes like this, you can go, ah, I knew it. I knew it. It's okay. All good. I knew it. That's, I think, kind of what sets the stage for where we are as we look through another foundation in the Apostle Paul's building of this confidence. We start, but sometimes we get to this place and maybe we wonder, is he still going to keep coming through? He's done so much, I'm different. But now he's asking me to take, is he, is he still going to be there? Is he still going to provide my needs? Because this is scary enough, but this is way, this is like next level. This is like truly all in. Is he still going to be there? Can I still trust him? It's not that you don't. It's not that you don't. It's just that maybe you and I get to places of further maturity and growth where he wants you to stay focused despite all the winds and waves. Keep focused on him and see what happens. But if you're going to do that, you have to sort of have this deep layer of confidence that he's still going to be there. So how do, we, how do we develop that? Well, in Romans 8.32, it says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So today we're going to focus on God, having confidence in God for his provision. Last week, we looked at confidence in God in the face of opposition. Okay? Jordan, put up Romans 8.31. Last week, we looked at this. It says, hey, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And last week, we said, you know what? That word if is really because and since so really it says the Apostle Paul is like, hey, because God is for us, 
Who can defeat us? Answer, nobody. Nothing, nobody can defeat, thwart God's plan for you. To conform you and make you into the image of his son Jesus for his glory. That's his ultimate plan for you. So because God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. We win. Well, actually, he wins. And we enjoy the fruit of him winning. For his glory. For his glory, right? So last week was confidence in the face of opposition. This week, again, Jordan put up Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Confidence for God's provision. Okay? Now, you know, the boat illustration. And, and I think sometimes what happens is you come to a place and you've read the scriptures. Someone shared the gospel with you, the good news of who Jesus is. And you come to this place of putting your faith in Christ, right? Randy, you do a great job each Sunday inviting people to put their faith in Jesus for salvation, understanding the cross, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes this away the sin of the world. We're saved by grace through faith, not by any works. So some of you, many of you here and online, you put your faith in Jesus, salvation, the cross. You get the cross, right? You get that Jesus was sent. God loved you so much. He sent Jesus. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead because of his shed blood, penalty for sin paid. Put your faith in him. You're declared not guilty. You become a child of God. Amen? Okay? That's the gospel. You get that. Okay? But I think sometimes what happens is you celebrate that, you believe it, your name is written in the book of life, you're born again, but then you go and you deal with what some people call real life, your job, your finances, people, health, choices, right? And somewhere along the line, we leave the cross behind, meaning we understood the cross, we understand Jesus at the point of salvation, we get it, we're saved, but then when it comes to living life and dealing with real life issues, it becomes about us again. And if we're not careful, we take control, we become consumed with fear and worry, anxiety, insecurity, our joy gets strangled out. Why? Because we left the cross behind in our daily life. We left Jesus behind. What do you mean? Well, look at Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Okay, salvation. Amen? Get it? Present tense now. Comma, present tense 2021. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? To day, tomorrow, for the rest of your days on this planet. You see, your confidence isn't that you're saved. That's, a, that's you're assured of it. But you're wondering, well, how do I get the confidence from that today? Well, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, 
right? The first uh, phrase of that, Romans 8.32a, right? That's how they signify it. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. There's an argument here kind of in the, in the realm of logic. It's called the argument from greater to lesser. Greater to lesser. So this is the greater. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Who is the greater? God, giving his son, who? Jesus. So God, the greater, gave the greatest. His son. That's what that's saying. God, who did not spare the greatest need, the greatest gift, Jesus. That's the greater. Now let's go to the lesser. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If the great God, the greater, gave the greatest, how will he not give you and me the lesser, meaning what we need in our daily life? It's the greater Jesus, salvation, eternity, to the lesser. It's not minimizing it. It's just saying greater to lesser. And it's one of those things that I think we just don't think about enough. We just don't think about because when it comes to the, the, the things in our life that we're dealing with, they're like Goliaths to us. How am I going to pay this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to this person, this issue? And the more we think about it, the bigger and bigger they grow. And now they're the greater. Even bigger and greater than God. If we're not careful, they become our Goliath. And Romans 8.32 helps keep it in perspective. Amen? How? This is he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Greater to the lesser. Right? And again, some of these verses are so familiar that we never looked at it this way. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see the greater giving the greatest? God loved the world. The great God gave the greatest, his son, out of love. I don't know if we ever looked at it that way. Romans 5.8. But God, the greater, the greatest, shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, the greatest gift, Jesus died for us. While we were yet sinners, you received the greatest. That is, that is a knock your socks off, humble yourself moment. When you were a sinner, when I was a sinner, when we wanted nothing to do with God, when we were out there living for ourselves, living for the flesh, living for the world, God gave the greatest, his son Jesus, while we were yet sinners. Eliminates any sense of merit. In fact, rather than merit, it just puts us on our face. You're like, right? How about this, 1 John 4.10 in the New Living? This is real love. Not that we loved God. Don't forget that phrase. But that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Not that we loved him. God gave the greatest, Jesus, when we were sinners and didn't love him one ounce.
how will he not graciously give us all things if he already did that on the front end before we wanted anything to do with him? See, this is, this is a, a time when we have to just pause and we have to focus on the character and the nature of God. Of God. Now, what has happened in the American culture and maybe in the American church is that the gospel has become very me-centered. Now, there's an element of me, like, hey, God loves you so much he sent Jesus, and you're so worth so much because look what he sent Jesus. And we kind of get this elevated view of me. If we're not careful, this is a very me-centered culture, very social media, me-driven culture, and we can interpret the gospel as very me-centric. And like God owed it to me. And like I'm so special that of course God died for me because it's all about me, right? Isn't that what I see everywhere? It's all about me. And if we're not careful, we flip the gospel from being all about the great God giving the greatest gift, Jesus, out of grace, and it's all about him, and the gospel is all about special me. And then our faith is all about special me and what God can do for special me today. And I'll follow him as long as he meets special me's needs. But as soon as special me doesn't get what I want, I'm going to leave church because God didn't meet special me's needs. Do you see how it flipped? Rather than going the greatest God, the great God gave the greatest gift, Jesus, when I didn't deserve anything but H-E double toothpicks, we flipped that into me, 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 and then give me more, 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 and the minute you don't, I'm leaving, 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 leaving for something else, else, else. That's how we flipped it. And that's why we don't have confidence in God because he's just supposed to meet our agenda. He's like Santa Claus. He's like our butler. He's like Siri. He's the great Siri and great Google in the sky. Hey, God, yes, how can I help you today? crazy and then that's why we come to Romans 8 32 and we wonder why am I so insecure why am I so shaky in my faith why can't I just launch out into the great God because we never took the time to realize that the great God gave you the greatest gift already when you were helpless and hopeless so why is he gonna double cross you now (laughs) you didn't do anything to deserve it It's by grace, you just receive it. Why would he double-cross you as his child? Isn't that crazy? Think about that. You're his enemy, you're a sinner, you're separated, you're in darkness. The great God gives the greatest gift, Jesus. You're born again. You're now his child. He's like, oh, sorry. Why do we think that? Isn't that crazy? You're now his child. You've been born again into the family of God. You should have more confidence because now instead of God, you call him Abba, Father. You should have greater confidence because you're in Christ. Amen? But if we're not careful, what we've done is we've flipped the gospel into meism. And Romans 8.32 says, stop, time out. First part of that, he who did not spare his son. It's all about him and Jesus, comma, us down the end. (laughs) Him first, amen? You got to think about this. Radically change. Radically change things, okay? Ray Stedman says this. He who has already given us the best 
the greatest, the dearest, the most precious thing he has, and who did so while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were helpless, will he not also give us some of these trivial, piddling little things that we need? If someone thinks enough of you to give you a costly, brilliant, beautiful, flawless diamond, do you think he will object when you ask him for the box that goes with it? And if God has given us his own son already, do you really think God is going to withhold anything else that we need? Paul's argument is unanswerable. Of course he won't. We can say with David in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, right now in the last year and a half, and even before that, but just, you know, it's been so accelerated and so, you know, it's the, the pressure and so much anxiety and fear globally, nationally, down to the state, county, into your personal life. A lot of people are like this. What are the finances? What about the job market? What about my retirement? What about the market? What about the next day? We're like this. And as believers, we gotta, we got to make time you got to turn off all the distractions. you got to turn off the social media. you got to get away. And you say, whoa, time out. Let me get rooted and grounded again in confidence. Okay, Romans 8.31, God is for me. Romans 8.32, he gave me the greatest. Am I doubting his continued provision? And if I am, why? Why? It's okay to go there. It's okay to go there. Now, maybe the why is because you were betrayed. Maybe you've had some painful experiences uh, growing up in relationships, job, I don't know, where you put your confidence in a human being and they flat out betrayed you. And so the word confidence and trust, that's not on your favorite word list. In fact, it's on the painful list. And when that happens, I get this, because I have, I have been down the journey of betrayal and trust, so I get it. And part of my journey is when that happened, you know what I did? I did this. Never again am I going to let anyone be able to hurt me that bad ever again. And so I became very self-protective. A lot of people on this side, like y'all, for years, nobody this close. Nobody. Because the last time I did that, it didn't end out so well. So I grew up very self-protective, out of pain, out of pain, just straight up pain. Can't even, why should I trust you? Why should I? Uh, it was pain in my personal life. It was pain in ministry. I remember the very first church I was at. Some decisions were made that uh, were just mind-boggling. And I remember talking to my mentor. And, I, you know, he, he and I had a good relationship so I could speak freely. So we're in his office one time, and I'm just venting. And I'm just like, can you believe they're supposed to be leaders and they're supposed to be and he listens and he listens and then finally he says you know what Richie man will always fail you but God never will 
pastors, and they're, and they're not supposed to. Richie, man will always fail you, but God never will. And that was a take a deep breath moment. He was compassionate, he was understanding, but he had to call me out about my focus and my security and everything being put in to trusting man rather than God. Now, it's been a journey. I'm going to be honest with you. If, if you're resonating with this, I get it. And I also get that if you have been wounded at the human level when it comes to confidence and trust, you see these verses, and you might even go, well, it's in the Bible, it's true. And deep down you're like, because this is confidence and trust. Amen. Yeah, great verse. Romans 8.32. I memorized that. Yeah, great. Are you lit? It's good though. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's true. Well, then let go. You believe it? Yeah, sure, I believe it. We're good. I get it. I really do. So um, know that here we get it. And we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to encourage you. We're going to come alongside you. Because even to trust God, if we're honest, it is the scariest, most terrifying thing sometimes. Amen? If we're honest. If we're just honest. And I'll be the first one to put my hand with that. Okay. How do we overcome that? Brothers and sisters in Christ. People that you can confide in, trust. Who can help you to trust. Right? I, uh, uh, I shared this a little bit before, and uh, I just, just, an, just an encouragement. So when I was uh, a teenager, I used to go to the beach all the time, and I got pulled out by this huge rip way out there. thought I was done, right? And I'm waving my hands, and lifeguards have to come out and get me. I didn't realize what that, how that tweaked me for the water, okay? Kind of buried it. Kind of would go to the beach, but kind of play it safe with my friends. Never wanted to let on because I was embarrassed and, and really shamed that I couldn't go out past the waves and do what I used to do because as soon as I got past the waves, the trauma would hit. The, the fear and anxiety would hit all over again, so I'd always have to stay close, just close enough to have fun, close enough to hide it from my buddies, right? And, and I carried this. And I battled with it because I was just so ashamed. I couldn't say, hey, dude, you know what? I get scared, <laughs> right? So we're here, and a, a buddy of mine, when we first moved here, um, was a spear fisherman. And he said, hey, you want to go spear fishing with me? And it, I'd never done it before. I'm like, yeah, sure. So he gets me wetsuit, dive suit, da-da-da, weight belt, gets me spear gun, yada, yada, yada. And I'm all excited. And he gets a boat, and we go out to the islands, right? And he's going to teach me how to do this. And... I got all excited that I forgot until it was time to get in the water again. And I went out, and by this time I was a master at hiding this. I don't know about you, but how many of you are pretty good at hiding things in your life? So I was a master. So we would go out, and I would try to get in, really, honestly, give it a good shot because I, I enjoyed his company, and I enjoyed him trying to teach me. And I would get in, and then I would start to hyperventilate, and I would, like, freak out, and I would just, like, try to convince myself, but I couldn't. Repeatedly couldn't. I had to go back to the boat and make something up. Literally make something up. Lie. 
youth pastor lying because I'm so scared. Like, dude, nah, I think I pulled a hamstring. I literally did the hamstring thing sometime. It was crazy, right? I got a cramp. Okay, just stay in the boat. So one time, uh, we would sometimes go off of Bates Beach, Rincon. So we go to Rincon, suit up. I'm like, okay, maybe this time. We go out again, and as soon as we get right past the waves, it just hits. Hits. Tsunami hits again, and I have to go back. I mean, I'm just, I, I go back in. And this time, he comes up to me and says, all right, dude, what's going on? And we're standing at, at base. I will never forget this day. We're standing there, and we're about this deep of water, right? Our gear, snorkel, spear guns. And I'm like, all right, man, here's the deal. I'm terrified. This is what happened. Every time we've gone out, this is what happens to me. And I'll never, ever forget what he said. He goes, okay, we're just going to stand here. Okay. And we stood there. He didn't say anything. Just stood there. I calmed down. And I said, I think I'm good. He's like, okay. Just follow me. I said, I think I can do that. And we went. And it was fine. And healing. And liberating. Because in that relationship that had built over time, I got to a place where I could come clean. And I found compassion. And I found help. I didn't find a lecture. I didn't find a, oh, ho, ho, ho. I just found someone who said, okay, we'll just stand here. And when I was ready, he said, let's go. And he didn't leave me. And I got confidence back. I learned to trust. I learned to trust humans deeper. And that helped me to trust God. And so I share that with you because this is, this is pretty weighty. You, we can say, hey, yeah, he who did not spare his own son, won't he give you all things? And you're like, yeah, I kind of heard that before, bro. Someone said that to me. I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be there for you. And you're like, well, how do I do that? I'm like, I know. I get it. And I'm just going to tell you, that's not God. That's not God. But I also know that to walk that journey and to choose to go down the trust and confidence path, you probably need somebody. You probably need somebody that you can just say, hey, dude, are you awake? Because right now my heart's beating and I just need someone to listen, or I just need you to pray for me. Because everything in me wants to go back to shore right now. <laughs> That's why we need the church. That's why we need each other, honestly. It's not to give another verse. It's not to be all, just to say, okay, we'll just stand here. I'll listen. I've had, God has brought wonderful brothers into my life when things have happened. They'll say, okay, I'll be there. I'll jump in a brother's truck. We'll drive and we'll park in one of those turnouts by Lake Casitas. 
this brother years ago would turn to me and say, okay, go. Are you done? I'm done. Okay, let's get some coffee. That's all he did. That's all we need sometimes, amen? Because we know what the Bible says. We know what we're supposed to do. We know oftentimes where we're not meeting it and where we're falling short. We know that. But if we'll invite somebody in, God might just do something really miraculous in your life to help you trust him more, to heal some wounds, to set you free. Okay? So this is the argument from the greater Jesus to the lesser our needs. Not minimizing our needs, but just disproportionate. Okay? What's crazy is in Matthew 6, Jesus calls us to be confident in the Father, but he does it the other way. He goes lesser to greater. I, I love this, right? So Paul, Romans 8:32, greater to lesser. Matthew 6, 25 to 33, Jesus says, I want you to have confidence in the Father, and he goes lesser to greater. Listen to this. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you looked up the word worry, the etymology, which means the origin of the word worry, part of its origin is strangle. So when you and I worry, how's that, how's that with your joy? Isn't that crazy? The word worry comes from strangle. Strangles you out, right? And then look in Matthew 6, 26. It says, again, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do you see the lesser to the greater? Who's the lesser? The birds. Who's the greater? Us. Should be us with a smile. Who's the greater? Child, believers. Believers, are you not more valuable than the birds? <laughs> I don't know, Bill. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty cool, actually. That if you know, if God feeds the birds, this this verse says I'm much more valuable than. Because there's some I think you're not sure you're more valuable than the birds, right? Right? 
right? He's saying, you're, you're more valuable than the birds. You're my child. If I, father, if father is speaking, if I feed the birds, aren't you more valuable than the birds? Okay, yes is the correct answer. Okay, if I feed the birds, aren't you, my children, more valuable than the birds? Yes. Yes. So you know what we need to do this week? You need to go spiritual bird watching. I am so serious. Some of you need to take a walk or go in your backyard and look at the birds until this truth sinks in. Okay, some of you are the source of them being fed. How crazy is that? Ernie lives this verse, except he's the one feeding the birds. Some of us need to go spiritual bird watching and spiritual gardening and look at the lilies of the field. Some of us, right? Some of us need to go out into this beautiful place called Ojai and just look around and live this verse and go, wow lesser to the greater and in this context I'm the greater I'm the greater and in Romans he gave me the greater and I'm the lesser but I'm still his child see being a child is the middle you know what I call this the grace sandwich the grace sandwich greater to lesser lesser to greater you're the child of God you get it both ways amen you gotta get this This is confidence building. This is trust building, right? Warren Wiersbe says this. From the spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking, the mind, and wrong feeling, the heart, about circumstances, people, and things. Worry is the greatest thief of joy. It is not enough for us, however, to tell ourselves to quit worrying because that will never capture the thief. Worry is an inside job. And it takes more than good intentions to get the victory. The antidote to worry is the secure mind. And what is the mind? Mind stayed on God and his word. Isaiah 26. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're going to grow in our trust, our confidence in God. Whether it's greater to lesser or lesser to greater, we have to keep our mind focused on him and his word. And it's not that easy, I know, because we're all on the internet, you're on social media, you're talking to your friends, and your mind is distracted and consumed oftentimes with the things of the world. So I want to encourage you. Application for this week. Go do some spiritual bird watching. Go do some spiritual gardening. Turn it all off. Turn off all the noise. And for some of you, that will be victory to literally turn your phone off for an hour, I know. Some of you need to not go on Facebook for a week. <laughs> Some of you are twitching already. Huh? Huh? Well, what, what if I miss something in Instagram? And, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, okay, deep breath. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, breathe. It's going to be okay. Go ahead. Just tell them, social media will be there when you get back. Just, <sighs> can't touch social media. Oh, what do you mean turn it all off? Turn it all off. Go do some spiritual bird watching. Go for a walk on one of these beautiful trails. And when you stop and you see this weed, go, holy cow. That's a beautiful weed. My father made the weed. Aren't I more valuable than the... Thank you. I just want to encourage you. You got to do something. You got to do something. Okay? Romans 8.32 in the New Living. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And then Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You got to prioritize. You're going to have to turn off the noise, prioritize your schedule a little bit, and just go spiritual bird watch and spiritual garden. Look around and see what your father has already done and realize you're his son, you're his daughter. You're much more valuable than the birds and the weeds. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can trust you. You did not spare even Jesus, but you gave Jesus up for us all while we were sinners, while we were your enemies, while we were helpless and hopeless. You gave us, Jesus, the greatest gift. Won't you also give us everything else we need? And Father, we look at the birds and, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, you provide. We see them around Ojai. We see them at the beach. I mean, we feed the birds. And yet, we forget we're more valuable than the birds or the lilies of the field. So we can trust you because we're your children and you're our Father. And so as we prepare for communion We want to do this again in remembrance of you, Jesus, that we came to the cross. And if you have not done so, I encourage you before communion, put your faith in Jesus. Come to the cross. Believe by faith. He's crucified. He died. He rose from the dead for your sins. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Put your faith in Jesus. Come to the cross in salvation. And then even if you're a believer, move forward and bring the cross into 2021. That because he gave Jesus and you're his child, he will provide your needs. He will. Romans 8.32. And so, Father, wherever we are this morning, we come to you in a time of reflection and prayer. Confession, maybe. A time of putting our faith in you as we sing this song and as we take communion. We do do it in remembrance of you, Jesus. So, Uh, Once again, there are communion cups. If you're visiting, there's communion cups in front of you. It's two-sided. And I encourage you to uh, take communion um, at your own time and your own pace. Have a time of prayer. Uh, Shiloh will lead us in song, and then uh, Randy will come and close us.